Hey, welcome back to Claim the Stage. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And I've also thought of another thing I think I want to add to my bio, and that is I'm a sleeve anarchist. (laughs) And I'll tell you what that means. In the last month, I have cut the sleeves off at least 20 (laughs) t-shirts. I've been cutting sleeves off my t-shirts since I was probably 13 years old. And lately I've just, every time I put a shirt on, if it has sleeves, I just grab my scissors and cut them off. So I've decided I'm a sleeve anarchist. (laughs) Just really want to show off these guns, you know? Anyway, (laughs) welcome to the show. This is a special episode. This is a very special episode. We're celebrating a huge milestone today. It is five years of podcasting. If you told me five years ago this podcast would still be going on, I would be extremely surprised because I didn't really do things for this long before getting bored or deciding it wasn't the right direction or just completely blowing it up and turning it into something different. So congratulations to all of us. We made it to five years. We're also celebrating a couple other milestones. One is five years since I started Speaker Sisterhood, another major accomplishment to keep something going for that long. And also my son is turning two. How exciting is that already, right? I can't believe it either. He's already two. So I want to share a whole bunch of stuff on this episode today, like my initial fears in starting a podcast, how the podcast has helped me and my business, what I've learned about being a great interviewer, how I think of the podcast today, some of the highlights from the show, and something I'm planning on doing, and I would love to get your feedback on because I'm not sure yet if I want to do it, but I would love your thoughts on it and also what the podcast will look like going forward. So what you've probably already noticed is that I'm doing this episode alone today. Uh, Jolie is taking a vacation from the show for a bit and focusing on some other projects. So I'll be doing some solo episodes for the next coming weeks. There's so much to share about this, this podcast. If you've been a listener for a while, you've probably noticed that the show took on a different life this year. It's gone from just focusing on public speaking to focusing on speaking and building confidence in yourself and how you show up in the world. And it's been more about identity and claiming your full self and not just how to speak on a stage. And one of the reasons for that change in direction is that I've been thinking more about that topic of who am I and how am I showing up and what's important to me and what do I want to say? And that those questions go beyond public speaking. They go into a bigger topic of self-identity. And I think to be a good speaker, you kind of have to ask yourself those questions about your message and your vision and who you are. So these episodes were crafted with that in mind, and I'm, I'm excited to be kind of just letting that un- unravel instead of trying to direct it too much. And now I'm starting to get a clearer idea of the different kinds of guests we can have on and the different conversations we can be having to fulfill that goal of really claiming the stage in every way possible. So I want to get back to this thought about 
five years of podcasting. And it made me ask myself, like, how many things have I consistently done for five years? And and this might be a good question for you to ask yourself. And maybe you're someone who does pick something and sticks with it for a long period of time. But I don't know very many people like that. I guess maybe I surround myself with people who are always coming up with ideas and, you know, shooting in different directions. But sticking with something for five years is actually quite difficult. And I'm just, it's making me think of this documentary I saw on Netflix a few years ago. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but it's called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. I believe it's Jiro, maybe Hero. Kind of like, this is like the the gyro hero (laughs) debate. (laughs) Like, what is that sandwich called? (laughs) So Jiro Dreams of Sushi, if you haven't seen it, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but the quick synopsis is it's about a man who lives in Japan. I think he's in his 80s and he has committed his whole adult life to making the best sushi. And when I first started watching this, I'm like, oh, this is going to be so boring. <laughs> like, how, how interesting can it be to watch someone make sushi for an hour and a half? But it was so fascinating because... He decided to dissect every single element of the process of not only procuring the ingredients, but cooking the ingredients and preparing the ingredients. And also the the act of presenting the ingredients. So it goes through the supply chain piece. It goes through, it took him 10 years to perfect sushi rice. And, and there's so much that goes into that, right? It's the amount of water, the, the temperature, uh, you know, what... Um, cooking it on medium, cooking it on high, the amount of time you cook it for. So it goes through all of this. And as I'm watching and I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't think I would have the patience to do that many experiments with rice over 10 years. But there's a certain art and beauty to sticking with something for that long and, and building a relationship with it, because not only are you learning about the rice or the fish or the seaweed or whatever, you're learning so much about yourself and your ability to, to sit with something that doesn't have immediate gratification. And that might be uncomfortable because you've done it wrong 300 times in a row. And it's like, it's so hard to let ourselves be bad at something or to not know the answer to something and keep doing it. So when I started the podcast, I sucked. <laughs> I I remember recording that first episode. Feel free to go back and listen to it, even though I don't recommend it. <laughs> and I was a nervous wreck. And I remember telling the story about why it took me so long to start the podcast It had to do with feedback that an ex-boss had given me and feeling like I'm not someone who can sit behind a microphone and interview people. Also, who would want to listen to my voice anyway? And like, I don't, I'm not like a trained broadcaster. I don't, you know, who am I to just buy a mic on Amazon and then just start recording myself? Who who do I think I am? (laughs) But I did it anyway, and I just started recording episodes and thinking of people who might be interesting to have on the show with a perspective that would be engaging and add value to my audience. And as time went on, I started to realize that I really enjoyed interviewing people. I also felt like I might have been pretty good at it. 
And people were listening to the show. I was looking at the analytics every week and I'm like, oh my God, not only am I recording and posting episodes, but people are listening to this. (laughs) This is amazing. (laughs) Because podcasting, like radio, is an interesting format because you're sitting alone in a room with no one looking at you and it feels like you're alone, but then hundreds or thousands or millions of people are listening to it. I know this is, you're like, yeah, that's what that is. That's welcome to the planet. But when you really internalize that and think about what it's like to be sitting in a chair with a microphone alone in a room and then see later on how many people have engaged with that content you created by yourself, you realize that you can make a big impact even if it doesn't look like it. And, and that, it's, it's a big responsibility and it's also a gift. It's an opportunity and I don't take it lightly. And I think about the podcast all the time and I have been for five years. And I remember two years ago recording an episode that some, it was called something like three years of podcasting and I have nothing to say. And I remember when I sat down to record that episode and I thought, how could I be working on this for three years and now be completely just void of ideas. And when I look back on that episode now, I'm like, wow, I really could have had more self-compassion for myself because I was nine months pregnant (laughs) when I recorded that. (laughs) And my brain was so foggy and I was so tired and all I wanted to do was sleep. And there's, that was the, that was why I had nothing to say, you know? And I think I was really hard on myself for not being more profound in that moment and having more interesting things to say. But I think it was okay because I really just needed to lie down. (laughs) So as far as things I've done consistently for five years, I've always said to people, like, the only things that are consistent in my life are my cat and my cell phone number. Because if I try to go back and look at the last 10 years, that's really true. I've moved a lot. I've changed relationships. I've changed jobs. I've changed hair colors. I've changed a lot of things. So my cat's 15. I've had her for 13 years. I've had my cell phone number since 2006. <laughs> Everything else has changed. <laughs> but I have also consistently run Speaker Sisterhood for five years. And that is also a major accomplishment and very exciting to think about because as I change and grow, the company changes and grows. And it's almost like having this um, mirror all the time that's helping me see where I can grow more and where I am thriving and where the business is hurting it's is me not paying attention and not putting in the effort that I had promised to make in the beginning or where my business is is growing naturally because of all the work I did up front so it's really fun to con- to have this thing that I've been growing with for years and to see where I could be focusing more based on how it's doing so the podcast is a similar mirror for me. And if you've if you've done something over time, you probably have a similar experience. So I try to schedule time for myself to sit down and say, where are the holes? Where are the deficiencies? Where are the places that could use more attention? And then try to look inside myself and say, what am I doing to create that? And it's kind of fun. <laughs> Does that sound sick? I don't know. <laughs> But um, I really enjoy it. And that's one of the cool things about business ownership is entrepreneurship really is 
an opportunity to learn more about who you are and also to serve a lot of people. But, you know, there's, there's these, these two things going on all the time. So let me get back to why I started the podcast originally. It was always on my mind because I like talking to people. I love asking questions. I think I'm a naturally curious person. And so being someone who's in a, the seat interviewing others, it feels like a really natural thing to do. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast and you love asking questions and you find yourself wondering about the world, wondering why people do what they do, just wondering more about certain subjects, you'd probably make a really good podcast host. And I had that piece. So I knew that I could probably do this pretty well just because of a natural curiosity and inquisitiveness that I've had my whole life. I also started it because I wanted to provide more public speaking content. I sat down one day and I wrote a whole list of all the different things that I wanted to share. And I thought, there's so much here and it's so exciting. And I know so much about this and I have so many stories to share from my own life. And I think writing blog posts just wouldn't get the same level of energy across. So I think I'd rather speak into the mic. And also podcasting is a really good format when you're talking about public speaking because it's uh, speaking, <laughs> you know? So it just, it, it just sort of lends itself to the topic. I also wanted to start the podcast because I was interested in building my network with other people who were in this field or in, on the periphery of this field. So if you're looking to start a business or you have a business and you want to meet more people who do what you do or meet more people who have influence in a similar field, that's a great way to do it. Having them on your show, you get to build a relationship with them, you get to promote their work, you get to learn more about who they are, and you get to build a relationship that goes beyond a LinkedIn connection request or a five-minute conversation at a trade show. And these are relationships that if you cultivate and you, you stay in touch with them and you continue to talk to them, they can become real people in your life who are friends or real colleagues of yours. So I've been able to do that with several of my guests and I've, I've referred clients to them. They've referred clients to me. They've become affiliates for my courses and it's been a really nice way to continue building my network. And so that leads into the other reason I wanted to start the podcast, and that was to get the word out about Speaker Sisterhood, because it was a brand new company. And so if I have people who are searching for public speaking in the podcast app, they find my my podcast, and then they listen and they learn about Speaker Sisterhood, then they'll come to the website and check it out and perhaps find that it's a good resource for them and join a club. And every single time, <laughs> this is going to sound so nerdy, but every single time I see an inquiry come through the website saying, I want to come check out a club. I heard about it through the podcast. I feel so giddy. <laughs> and I see all the inquiries that come in because we the way that the website is organized is we have a club directory that shows all of our, speaker, our speaking clubs. And on the bottom of each club page, there's an inquiry form that you can fill out to send to the club leader saying, hey, I'd like to come check out the meeting as a guest. And I get a copy of all those inquiries because you know, you can opt into the newsletter. And so seeing all those emails, I can import them into the email client. So seeing why or how you found out about Speaker Sisterhood, every single time it says podcast, I'm like, oh my God, it works. <laughs> I've said that like hundreds of times now. It never gets old, never gets old. 
<laughs> so if you're thinking about starting a podcast because you want to help people find you and you want them to get to know you through your podcast and maybe do business with them at some point, it does work. It really does. And people like to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And what better way than sharing your points of view, your personality, some of your personal life, and some of your insights and advice on a podcast. It's a really wonderful way to connect with people. And it really does build connections back to your business. So that's why I started it. And it was pretty exciting when all of that those ideas came together. And that's why I'm still here five years later doing this because I really enjoy it. And it has helped to build speaker sisterhood and connect more of you with this public speaking resource. And it has built my network in really amazing ways and targeted ways too, because I can reach out specifically to the exact person I want to meet and invite them on the podcast. And you know what? There are very few people who have said no to coming on the podcast. (laughs) Even when I'm like, oh, there's no way they're coming on the podcast. And then I get a response. I'm like, oh my God, they're coming on the podcast. And (laughs) it's happened over and over again. (laughs) So don't think that if you don't have a big name or you're just starting out or you don't have a big network that you couldn't do this because you can. It's really surprising and amazing what people are willing to do when you just reach out and say, hey, I really admire what you're doing and I'd love to interview you on my podcast. So pretty cool. Some of my initial fears starting the podcast were that no one would listen. It's like, there's a lot of podcasts out there. Why would anyone listen to mine? And, you know, I think that's probably the same fear that any content creator has. Like if you're writing a book thinking, why would anyone read my book? (laughs) If you're an artist, why would anyone care about this painting when there's millions of paintings in the world? We all do it. So I had to go through that process of why would anyone listen to this podcast? I also was afraid I would run out of things to say, which still hasn't happened. (laughs) And it's funny because in the beginning, like I said, I wrote down this whole list of topics and I thought, okay, I could probably do like 40 or 50 episodes. And once I got into maybe episode like 25 or 30, I realized there are so many topics within all of these topics that I could talk about in full episodes that I think I really underestimated how much there is to say about public speaking because there's so many angles to it. It's like one of those topics that has um, an infinite number of sides. You know, it can be about the actual skill set of speaking, right? Like body language and facial expressions and pacing and tone and things like that. But then it can also be about the mental part of public speaking, which is actually the part that's way more interesting to me and way more extensive because. Public speaking is the number one fear. That means there's a lot of content to cover in there. If everyone is, not everyone, but if most people are afraid of public speaking, there's a whole lot to explore and unravel in there about why and how to deal with that fear. So you you know there's been a lot of episodes on that subject. Hopefully by now you've got some perspective on what's going on and how to, to deal with that. My other fear was that I would sound bad. And I talk about that in the first episode, right? I just thought I had a a bad voice. And one of the things I hear most often from listeners is, I love your voice. And I'm always shocked every single time, (laughs) even now. I'm like, why? (laughs) And a lot of people say, you have a really calming presence. You sound really comfortable. It's easy to listen to you. And 
now now that I listen to the show, I mean, I've been I've edited a lot of episodes myself, so I do have to go back and listen to myself. I do I can hear what that feedback is, and I can accept it. And I think I like I do kind of like my voice now, but it has taken a while. And I that's that's common feedback from anybody, right? When you listen back to yourself giving a speech or you watch yourself back giving a speech, you see and hear things very differently than the rest of the world. You might be pulling apart every single thing that you're doing or saying while everyone else watching it is thinking, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so I thought that I would sound bad, but I've now fully accepted my voice and I think I'm okay. The fourth fear I had was that I wouldn't know what questions to ask. I had this major fear that I would be in the middle of an interview and I'd run out of questions and I would just be a deer in headlights staring at the guest, waiting for them to like somehow save me or just keep talking until the time ran out. And so I used to prepare all my questions in advance and I would sit and I would close my eyes and I would think to myself, what do I care about regarding this subject? What do I know about this person? And what, what else do I want to know about this person? And if I were brand new to public speaking, what would I want to know about this? And I would just keep asking myself these questions until I had a full list of questions. And I used to, at, I used to send the list of questions to my guest in advance so they could prepare. And I thought it did it accomplished a couple goals. One, it calmed me down because we both knew what to expect. And also, I also knew I wasn't going to run out of questions because I would write maybe 15 questions for a 30-minute interview. And they could put together stories and examples and tips when because they had more time to think about it. A lot of people aren't good on the spot. And I wanted to create the best interview possible for my listeners, so I felt like more preparation would offer that. And I was right. I mean, the guests did show up prepared and they did their homework and they came with those stories and examples. But the thing that was missing from those interviews was the spontaneity and the opportunity to go deeper on some subjects because I wanted to stick to the script. And I think it came across in those early episodes because it was like I was just, you know, they would be saying something about their family. And then I'd be like, Oh, great. So tell me the biggest mistake speakers make when it comes to blah, blah, blah. And it was like a major transition from one thing to another that didn't really make sense or flow. So as I've gotten better at interviewing, I've learned that I can go off the script and just be present with my, my guest and let myself fall into the moment and be curious about their answers and probe there instead of trying to stick to this list I created a week in advance. So I had that fear of running out of things to say. I dealt with it. I got more confident and now I don't have that fear anymore. So it's another one of those things that, you know, when you realize that it's present, you come up with a solution for it. And once you don't need that solution anymore, you just create a new solution. So let's get back to how the podcast has helped Speaker Sisterhood. Um, I, I've really, I've found that the podcast has not only been helpful for the listeners, but it's become um, a library of content for all of the Speaker Sisterhood members. And if you're not familiar with how it works, it's a network of public speaking clubs where our members come and practice giving speeches and giving feedback. So there's really no educational component other than 
a five or six minute video I sent out each I send out each month on an educational theme. So the podcast is really supplemental content that's helpful for everyone who's practicing public speaking. And if they want to go deeper on a certain subject, they can go to the podcast and get that information. So if you're in an information-based business and you want to have a library of content that you can point your customers to, a podcast is a great way to do it without having to constantly reinvent and recreate new resources and materials because it's already there. So what I've learned about being a great interviewer, as I mentioned, being present and listening is huge. Like just being with the person and having a conversation with them. The conversation is not only richer, but it's also more interesting to the listener because they get to really settle into it with you instead of being jerked from topic to topic and not having any real connector between each question. So I think being in that moment and just letting it flow the way it flows is an easier listening experience as well. And I like to think about what the guest isn't saying and what the listener might want to know, and that informs the next question I'm going to ask. So I ask a lot of why questions and a lot of, well, how do you do that questions? Because it's so easy to say, here's my advice on how to get over your fear of speaking. But then it's like, okay, but how does that actually apply to someone who's trying to do it? And what's the next step when the listener goes from listening to this podcast to putting together the next speech? What should they do differently? And those are the questions that matter the most, because if you can't apply what you're learning, how is it going to be helpful to you? So that has been a big golden key to being a great interviewer is thinking about how what the guest is saying applies to the person who's listening. And also uh, being on the guest team and building rapport with them makes for the best interview. And building rapport is about helping someone feel comfortable. And oftentimes when a guest comes on the show, they're not comfortable because they don't want to sound stupid. They don't want to say the wrong thing. They realize a lot of people are going to be listening to this and they want to come across as an expert and knowledgeable and intelligent. And it's hard to do that if you haven't done it a lot. So I try to build rapport up front with the guest by asking them questions about themselves, by letting them know what's going to happen. I always tell the guests these interviews are recorded in advance. That means that if you're answering a question and you're not comfortable with what you're saying, we can pause and you can start the, the answer over and we can cut that out. And that helps to calm them down because they don't have to be on point 100% of the time. And I also just let them know we're here to have fun. This isn't about trying to be right. It's not about trying to be the best. It's not about trying to be perfect. It's just about having a conversation and we're just going to enjoy our time together. And that calms them down too. So these things are important because they they make for a good listening experience. And when someone is comfortable, they're more apt to give their genuine self. And that's what we really want, right? We don't want the robotic, like red answers. We want someone who can just be a human, <laughs> So I'm always trying to create a human experience on the show. And and I always have to remember, and this isn't that hard for me to remember, but I do keep it in mind, that this is about the guest. That's about their time. It's not me. I'm making them the spotlight. I want them to shine. It's about me putting them in the best light. And so the more I do that, the better the interview will go and the more value the listener will get. 
So being a guest, being a host is really about being a great facilitator. It's almost like being a host at a party. You want everyone to feel comfortable, taken care of, safe. And, and so you can do that through these different techniques of trying to ask good questions and be thoughtful of them and not interrupting them. And that's a big one for me. If you listen back to like pretty much every episode of the show, I don't inter- interrupt people. I really try to give them the space to work through their thoughts and say what they mean and and have a moment to pause and collect what they're thinking so that they can give a thoughtful answer. And I find that that's kind of a rare thing on podcasts, but I think it makes a better listening experience. So how I think of the podcast today, I'm not afraid anymore which is fun. You know, it's almost like it's fun and less fun because I kind of like being scared when I do stuff. (laughs) You know, it's like an adrenaline rush. I'm not afraid to be on the podcasts, but I, I do feel like excited about it. Like it's a fun place to work stuff out and bring ideas and tell stories. And it's been fun doing it with Jolie and having a co-host to bounce stuff off of. And I've really enjoyed just being able to get get to know a lot of people. And I've learned so much from the guests. I should say that is such a hidden benefit when you host a podcast. You're not only getting information for your listeners, but you can learn so much too. And I've been able to interview some of my heroes and ask them why they wrote what they wrote in a book and what made them want to write that book. And it's so cool to sit down, like go to the bookstore, buy a book, get really excited about the book, finish it and say to yourself, I'm going to now email this author and ask them if they want to come on my show because I want to ask them more questions about what I just read. And then a week later, I'm talking to that author. Does that blow your mind too? (laughs) Like, I think that's such a cool thing that is even possible in the world. And I've done that a few times. And each time I'm like, if I can just pick a random book out of the bookstore and then be on the phone with the author of that book a couple weeks later, what else is possible? You know, it's, it's a really fascinating thing how easy it is to connect with people these days and how much access there is to people who we maybe thought were inaccessible in the past because of whatever barriers, technological or societal or whatever. It's like, people are pretty easy to get in touch with if you can create a compelling pitch and show that you truly care about what they're doing. So today I think of the podcast as a way to connect with more people that I admire and maybe at one point felt were untouchable who I can now see as peers and connect with and bring their knowledge and personality and creativity to my listeners. And that's really cool. Like that makes me so excited and so happy to know that really the possibilities for the podcast are limitless. So like I mentioned earlier, the current themes of the show have been around identity um, and and finding your voice, but not just on stage in in relationships as Jolie and I've Julie and I have talked about a lot uh, in your life on and on the computer as we've been navigating the pandemic and having to do a lot of speaking online. We've been covering all of these different elements, and it's been really exciting to explore them and think about each piece of what makes us who we are and how much of it we're comfortable with sharing and how much we're still exploring and trying to understand for ourselves before we step out in front of a group and be seen and be heard. Some of the highlights, I remember 
um, a few years ago in 2017, the podcast was featured on the list of inspiring podcasts on Forbes.com. And that was when the podcast was only like six months old. And I thought, oh, not only are people listening to the podcast, <laughs> but they're it's actually getting recognized and it's being recommended. And it's another one of those moments where you think, what I'm doing matters. And when I wrote my first book, The Anti-Resume Revolution in 2009, I wrote that book in the basement of my house with my cat on my lap at my computer thinking, I'm going to I'm gonna put this book out to all the people who attended my workshops. And I was thinking like 100 or 200 people would buy my book. And then a few months later, Seth Godin, one of my biggest heroes, was featuring it on his blog, which is the most read marketing blog in the world, as one of the recommended books for spring of 2010, alongside five other books, one of them being Tom Peters, one of the leading leadership consultants, if not the leading leadership consultant. I'm looking at that email thinking to myself, like, what? <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> how is that even possible? And that email opened so many doors. And before I knew it, that book was being used as a curriculum for college courses in countries that I had never heard of. <laughs> like in, in I mean, I've heard of Australia, but in Australia and colleges around the country. And I was like, wait, so a book that I wrote in my basement is now being used to teach people things around the world. That's fascinating. It just didn't even seem possible. But now it's it's been happening for years because when you create something from the heart, you create something that has soul, that has real um, a real point of view, and you believe in it and you get it out there, people find it and they talk about it and they share it and they give it to other people. And then before you know it, you're making a real impact. And that's what's been happening with this podcast for years. And that's why I continue to do it. It's very exciting to know that I can be in a position, you know, in the glitter closet in my house, standing next to my winter coat and a shovel and a basketball and be influence, influencing someone who lives in Poland or lives in Canada who I'll never meet, but is learning something from me. That just really gets me excited. And so the feelings I have about the podcast is like, this could go anywhere. This could become anything. It's really up to me. And, and that gets me really fired up. So being featured on the list of inspiring podcasts on Forbes.com in 2017 was the beginning of thinking about that and realizing this could become huge. And just a few weeks ago, I realized or I learned that my podcast is in the top 2% of all podcasts in the world. That's out of 2.3 million podcasts. And that's another one of those moments where I go, huh, like this is really big. This is important. And what I'm doing really is helping people. It's not just something that I like just do as a hobby. It's actually something I'm doing that's changing people's lives. That's a that's that's really special. And I and it means a lot to me and I recognize the power of that. So those are some of the highlights. And you know, in addition to having amazing guests on and being able to imagine things and go, I wonder if that's possible and then doing it. <laughs> And seeing, oh, it is possible <laughs> over and over and over again. 
So going forward, I want to do more episodes on claiming your full self and how to do that. Voice is included, but there's so much more to it. So I'm, I'm, I'm exploring that right now. And, you know, there's about 150 episodes that are really just about public speaking. So if there's anything you want to know about public speaking, if you came here for public speaking advice, feel free to dig through any of those episodes or start over at the beginning. And there's a whole master's program in public speaking on this podcast. I mean, if there's anything I missed, please let me know because I think I covered 99% of it. And I'm happy to keep building more public speaking podcasts, which I will. But um, but I'm going to go into other stuff too that I think also goes into being a great public speaker without actually talking about public speaking. So I have a question for you. Would you take a class with me on how to start your own podcast or how to be a better podcast guest? I've been thinking a lot about this lately. And one of the reasons is because I've had guests on the show who I was very excited to talk to, who's doing amazing work, who has, you know, just interesting stuff to say. But then when we got to the interview, I felt like it was a missed opportunity for them because they didn't know how to be a strong guest. They didn't know how to storytell. They didn't know how to give actionable advice. They were kind of talking in a way that was hard to connect with if you didn't already have a background in what they did. And I felt like, well, if this person had some training, this would be a really good opportunity for them and good exposure for them because it would really show everyone listening how amazing they are. But because they don't know how to be a great guest, they're not able to really take advantage of this. So I'm thinking about starting a course on how to be a better podcast guest And then I was also thinking about creating a course on how to start a podcast because I've learned so much about this and I have a lot to say about it, but um, I don't know if people want to take that, those classes. So if you could shoot me an email, I'd love to know what you're thinking. My email is Angela at speakersisterhood.com. And uh, if you have anything in particular that you're interested in learning about on either of those subjects, let me know. And I can start thinking about putting that together as a pilot just to see how that would go. And I would be happy to start with a small group and just kind of put everything together that I've been talking about and hopefully, you know, continue adding more value and being of service. So the last thing I want to say is thank you for listening to the show. I mean, you know, when I, you know, when you go and like you watch the Grammys or the Emmys or something and everyone goes, I want to thank the fans. <laughs> they're thanking the fans because without the fans, they're, they're doing a hobby <laughs> and you make it possible for me to make this a livelihood and to make this a huge part of my life that supports, you know, who I am and supports my son and supports my future And without listeners, it's really just me in the closet talking into a microphone. And so I appreciate you being here for the ride and for interacting with me. And when I ask for feedback and I ask for people to come on the show and ask questions and to, you know, just be part of this experience, you respond and you show up. And it's been really fun to have that back and forth with you over the years. And it's been fun to just have this platform. And yesterday I went through and I read a lot of the reviews on Apple podcasts that have been left over the years. And I just felt so loved. I felt so appreciated. And I want to, I want you to know that I, I hear you and I, 
I'm so grateful for you. And I appreciate you being here for this. So thank you. And I hope we'll be having this podcast conversation in another five years to celebrate 10 years of podcasting where I'll be saying, oh my God, you guys, (laughs) we made it to 10 years. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being here. And if you want to give me feedback on my course, you can email me, Angela at speakersisterhood.com. And if you have any other feedback or thoughts, I'm always open to hearing from you. So the last thing I'll say, as I have said on every episode since we started here, say it with me. Stop waiting. Start creating. See you next time.